1: Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson.
2: And me, Ben Hobson. And our guest today, Amy Fuller. Hello. <laughs> welcome
3: to the Runners
1: World Podcast Amy. Thanks so much for your time and coming on.
3: Thanks for having me. This is a lovely little studio setup oh, you've got funny. here. I'm, yeah, used, well, you. I'm used to being outside for my podcast, so it's quite nice to come indoors, a bit of warmth, a cup of tea. Thanks oh, yeah. for I having like me. It. We treat
1: people properly,
2: don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, because we were having a little chat before yeah. we started about your podcast.
3: So I have a podcast called Money uh-huh. Mile. Essentially, we take our guests outside, walking and talking. It's actually an idea that stemmed about during lockdown, because I was so sick of my day being navigated by Zoom. Yeah. You know, like Zoom at one, three, four. And uh, I wanted to take the conversation outside. Uh, so it's called Monday Mile. It's about mindset, motivation and resilience. And we chat to guests who essentially are excelling in their field. And the main aim is to encourage our listeners on their Monday morning commute to say, get off the tube, one stop early, mm. and just get those steps in.
1: Do you find there's something about talking to people while moving, whether that's walking or running, where you get a sort of superior quality of conversation as a result?
3: Yeah, I think the sort of walk and talk, it's relaxing, the guests kind of sit into it and it removes the element of the studio, the bright lights. So you kind of get a more organic conversation, I'd say.
2: Yeah, I think it works, definitely. And I think, again, with your moving and talking, you've been the Great North Run, you were uh, the roving reporter whilst racing. Yeah, And I think that that's kind of, you get a real insight then of like, it's not just the sort of quick snatch moments on the bridge, you know, a conversation. This is actually running alongside people, having a conversation whilst they're racing.
3: Yeah, for sure. As a broadcaster, that was definitely a bucket list moment. It was an idea we pitched two years ago Mm. and to bring that to life and for it to be a success in that people loved it. Because essentially I'm out there running it's not about me. It's about the people around me and bringing it to life for the viewer because we were out on the streets Mm. running 13.1 miles with everybody else. I think it also, from an interview perspective, people are open to connect because you're going through the same thing as them. So Mm. it's not like you're just standing on the side of the road, getting the runner to stop. It's I'm flowing with them and then you get the hardcore emotion, energy, the sweat, the blood, the tears and for me to be able to share that with the viewers was really cool. So let's talk a bit about your
1: running then because you know you started off as an Olympic snowboarder so amazing CV, amazing sporting CV. Where did running um, come into the equation for you?
3: So I think my running passion was first discovered probably when I was about Eight years old, so my mum started doing a bit of running, and I joined her and her best friend in Hyde Park at some sort of like Flora five k, and I just loved it. I felt like such a big girl. I got my (laughs) medal, and it was my first experience of a sportive, and I really really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I followed that passion as such. I've always been in sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned my snowboarding career and growing up, I did gymnastics, basketball, lacrosse, you name it. I gave it a go. Um, but running became more of an accessory throughout my snowboarding career as an athlete. So you travel around the world for eight, nine months at a time. And you're hopping time zones. And I found more often than not, I'd land in a country that I didn't know. I'd go up to the mountain, I'd snowboard, and I'd fly back. But I found running as headspace, escapism, and also a way to explore the Mm. local area. You know, you're flying to China or Korea or Russia even Mm. to snowboard and you don't see any of the country. So for me, it was like an express sort of tourist run. And I think it's a really great way to get acquainted with your environment. Mm. So it sort of started there and then it became almost like a a form of recovery, like a light shakeout after a flight. And that kind of built and built and built. And it wasn't until I sort of started noticing my times in my 5K and I was like, wow, oh, I'm actually getting quicker. Without It it never was a priority. And um, it got to a point where, where and when I could, I'd incorporate a 5K into my dry land training right. to sort of accessory my weight training. However, I don't think the physio was, was best chuffed <laughs> with that because I was renowned for having plantar fasciitis. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. So the impact in snowboarding is uh, rather large. Mm-hmm. You're jumping the sort of length, and height of a double-decker bus, so um, I constantly had small problems with my feet, and the running definitely, yeah, elevated added, <laughs> added, added to I that. Imagine, but yeah, yeah. I just loved it. I, yeah. I fell in love with the runners high. Oh,
1: cool,
2: okay. I remember watching because my a previous job of mine was very much involved in that sort of snowboard world, and I remember very like the change in training tactics that was coming through in terms of like snowboarding was like you ride your snowboard and that's your training done for yeah. the day and then more and more like places like larks had like training facilities and like trampolines would come in and free running and like all this sort of stuff and I remember that was like you very much were like one of those people who love doing all those different yeah, like elements yeah. of training
3: no I uh, I've always loved Trainee, I think for the feeling the, of self-accomplishment, mm. the high afterwards. Uh, but it was really interesting throughout my snowboarding career. From a fairly young age, I was introduced to the gym, strength and conditioning. And I always liked the gym, whereas now I kind of tend to avoid mm. the gym more because I've done so much of it. Like, don't get me wrong, I love throwing around a weight. but. <laughs> not so specifically targeted. So I think that's where I've really fallen in love with my running because there's no time, there's no set distance, there's no set speed you have to hit. Mm. It's all a choice. Mm. And for me, when I go out on a run, for example, this Sunday, I had a few hours where I could just run with no time pressure. And I'd said to myself, if you go and do 5K, that's Mm. great. If you do 10K, that's even better. But it doesn't matter. You remove the pressure. Before I knew it, I was like into a podcast. I was listening to music. It was sunny. My body felt good. Mm. And I was purely listening to my instinct. And I ended up doing eight miles. And I was like just chuffed with myself. Like It gives me a real sense of like, yeah, it's the height. It's Mm. a real height. And I think it's the fact there is no pressure now. Yeah. So it's just pure enjoyment.
2: It's really interesting to hear, like, that, that sort of almost that complete flip on, like, you're a competitive person, obviously. Like, you can't get to the Olympics without having, like, a sense of wanting to do something really yeah. as well as you possibly can. But to have running, and lots of people treat running as their main, like, that's their thing. They want to chase and chase everything as hard as they possibly can. I guess you've done that enough. Yeah. So to have running as just that staple where you can just be like, ah, that's my time, going to go and see what happens, and I'm done.
3: It's It's really nice because I have done some really rogue sportifs and events since I retired mm. from snowboarding. So my last competition was the Olympics in 2018 and I sort of subtly knew I was like yeah, that's it. I'm done. I was I was really happy to walk away and mm. I feel really grateful to have sort of had the power in deciding that myself. Injury free or relatively so. <laughs> yeah. And I remember standing on the London Marathon finish line in April 2018. And I was like, I want to do this next year. And I called my mum and I was like, would you be up for it? Shall we do it? So we signed up together to the London Marathon. And that for me, you know, running with my mum, it really removes all sense of pressure. I just wanted to be able to turn up on the day Mm. and be fit enough to help guide her through that process of us doing our first marathon together and that's a really nice place to be yeah yeah. I'm not out there trying to smash records I'm purely doing it for almost the the social element but yet you get such a high and the health benefits Mm. other than the screwed knees and (laughs) dodgy feet (laughs) I
1: I love that you do it with your mum I think that's like um first of all like fair play to your mum amazing that she's like up for doing those things it's a great test of like the mother-daughter dynamic over a marathon as well. And you've done lots of these races together, right?
3: Yeah, so our first one was the London Landmarks in 2019. Mm. And we really, really enjoyed that. Without a doubt, I think that has to be one of my favourite races, especially Mm. in the capital. Uh, We then went on to do the London Mm. Marathon. I think it was a month after that. Mm -hmm. Before that, though, a little segue. We, We can jump back into it. I ended up doing an extra marathon, which was actually my first one (laughs) in North Korea. Oh,
1: yeah. I want to ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll
3: jump back to London. So I'm doing London in April. Mm. And for me, being able to approach something where competitively, it doesn't matter how or what I do. It's just... So nice. And it's always been a, a bucket list thing. And throughout my snowboarding, I could never have gone and run a marathon. The fast twitch fibers that are required for snowboarding, right. like a, a marathon, just wouldn't be yeah. conducive yeah, yeah. to that sort of training.
1: Yeah. I wasn't, I'm not a very good snowboarder for that reason, Ben. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, too much, that's it. It's too much marathon. Running.
0: This is the Runner's World podcast
1: Uh, North your, Korea, yeah, oh, yeah. Is it the is it the Pyongyang? Is that what, uh, uh, Pyongyang? Pyongyang marathon, yeah. yeah. It's always mysterious. Tell us t- about what what on earth is it like running in North Korea?
3: So this has to be one of the most surreal situations I think I've <laughs> ever ended up in in my life, and probably one of the best experiences mm. I've ever had working with a team in an environment. So my snowboarding career, you know, you're kind of like solo <laughs> on mm. the mountain. Uh, I went out for a run training for London and I literally put on my Instagram story, training for the London Marathon, just got lost in Richmond Park, soaking wet, freezing cold. And somebody from Sky who had interviewed me at my first Olympics said, text me and said, hi, I see you're training for London. You don't want to run another marathon to you. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Especially after that run in Richmond Park. And uh, she's like, hear me out. It's for a documentary in North Mm. Korea. So I was like, tell me more. She (laughs) called me. Literally four weeks later, I was on a flight to Beijing, having had to leave all of my valuable possessions in a safe locker in China to then take a flight to Pyongyang. And I can honestly say, without doubt, that is one of the most rogue scenarios I've ever been in you see it on the documentaries and you hear people talk about it but it is really really strange Mm. so I requested to leave the hotel because you can't just walk out of the hotel to go for a run and they were like well no like people don't run on the streets there and they organized it so our sort of minder uh North Korean chap drove and followed me in the van, but I wasn't allowed to not be escorted. So I went on an escorted taper run and was literally followed. And then the actual marathon itself, bearing in mind I've never run a marathon, like I'm a marathon virgin at this Mm. point. So I turn up in my boat shoes, I like to call them. (laughs) I got them all properly... fitted in pro feet had the liners had these rocking yellow trainers mm. and I'm looking around me there's all these North Koreans and they're all like real slight and you know they look like marathon runners and I'm there still sort of quite strong and athletic looking from my snowboarding career mm. they're running in plimp soles, you know like when you're a kid you go to Woolworths yeah. back in the day and you had the plimp sols. Yeah, like they those. had those <laughs> and I didn't mean to like revel in Misfortune. It was more like if they can do this yeah. in plimp Sols, I can definitely run in my boat trainers. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. we start out and I had no gels. I thought there would be snacks along the way. So we left the Olympic Stadium there and it was literally an out-and-back marathon. Mm. There were no snacks, nothing. And luckily I befriended an Irishman, right. Kieran, who uh, sorted me out with some gels, shared mm. a banana. And uh. I can honestly say... Out and back marathons are not the one. We literally just went out into the fields and went around a cone and ran back. I don't recommend it. I think that's hard because you know know
1: how far you've got to go back as well. It's demoralizing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, well, at the start, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's simple. And then it was like, oh, okay, it's 17 miles. My (laughs) knees feel like they're going to come out of their sockets. (laughs) And my hip joints are in excruciating pain. And I'm like, I've still just got to go straight. What a first marathon, that's amazing.
2: It it? is, isn't it? Most people have, you know, that dream scenario of the crowds cheering them on and uh, none of that.
3: Not really. I mean, they did, of course, the North Koreans, you know, put on a show. Mm. Uh, There were thousands of people at the start Mm. in the Olympic Stadium clapping in sync. But the minute you were actually set out free on the streets, there was like nobody because they were all in the stadium. Got it. So it was very very lonely yeah. out there on those yeah. North wow. Korean roads.
2: Have you, have you seen any other races then that you've kind of like, has that sort of lit a fire in you for doing quite obscure races? I mean, have you kind of oh. like, would you then want to go off and like explore random countries that have got like races on?
3: I think I'm more intrigued to go and do, you know, the big majors. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this year I no. Oh, we're in 2024. Last year yeah. I did, uh, the New York City Marathon nice. with my mum and it was actually a present for her. I don't know if she thank, thanking me for it now. But <laughs> we kind of toyed with the idea of doing another one mm. together and my mum said, well, it'd be cool to do it somewhere different. So for her birthday, I just booked flights to New York and said, look, the options here, it's on the table. If you want to do it, we'll do it. If not, we'll just go Christmas shopping. So we did that one together and Again, it's that I think the, a marath- the mindset for a marathon is so unique. You go through the training process. Sometimes you enjoy it. Sometimes you get injured. Both me and my mom got injured. I had a bad hamstring. Uh, I got tendinitis in my right foot off the back of doing the Ealing half, uh, mm. which was a actually a PB with a friend, uh, mm. which was really unique. So I've not really done loads of running for myself. Mm. Um, so I went into New York hurt, which made the whole experience. A little tougher, Mm. and my mum also uh, ended up with some sort of tendonitis in the sesamoid joint. So we were falling, falling to bits. (laughs) So the triumph in that was the fact that we were able to run it two days before. My mum still had a taped foot and was in pain walking. So the real triumph and runners high was a sense of completion, Mm. and we kind of said, "Why are we doing this to ourselves?" But now, you know, three four months later thinking, oh, yeah, where could we go? Maybe yeah. we could go and do one in Malaga, somewhere warm. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There's an addiction there, for, for sure.
2: sure. Yeah. yeah,
3: I'm interested in your book, um, Amy, because it's
1: Fearless, Live More, right? And I feel like someone who's been a competitive snowboarder, like, you must have to keep fear. You must have an amazing relationship with that in terms of, like, I'm sure you get nervous at the start line. But if anyone else is kind of worried about running or has some of their own running fears, have you got any advice for, like, how, how you kind of put a lid on that stuff or kind of use it to your advantage?
0: Yeah, I think it's
3: really interesting. So snowboarding for me was the extreme scale of fear. Mm. I tested my limits. I put my body in positions where I wasn't comfortable. And I actually can put my hand up and say that I was scared. And I stopped snowboarding because fear consumed me. Mm. And I don't think many extreme sports athletes vocalize that. Mm. But it is scary. You are putting your body on the line. And unfortunately, injury does happen. Mm. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Mm. And it's managing that to make yourself as bulletproof as possible, so you can deal with impact. And I reached a point where I was done with dealing with that. And that's why I walked away. And I walk away very proudly of that, actually, because I had another passion and another interest. And that is my my broadcast. But Throughout that process, I learned so much about fear and the mm. high end of it. And I kind of use it, the scale. It's almost like the Nando scale, <laughs> the spice scale. And I was sick at, of operating at Spicy. Yeah. But I could operate, you know, sort of medium, <laughs> casually, yeah. Yeah. still probably now even on my snowboard and really enjoy yeah. it. So when I go to approach moments in running or even making the decision to go for a run Mm. I set myself up in the best possible way so there's little hacks and tools in my book that I've used for not only my wellness routine but extreme scale examples like public speaking or doing your motorbike license or your car test for the first time and I use those as examples the amazing thing about running is you can always do it again you can always go on another run And I really frame it as being able to run is a privilege. So when I'm running, that is what I think. Mm. Being given a body, an able body to be able to go out, to have free movement, to have mental thinking space is such a gift. So I think of that, but then I install lots of little incremental things along the way. So for example, it's winter right now, it's freezing cold. It's not the Best time to go out, especially when it's minus two, like yeah, today. Yeah. So I put, you know, my trainers on the radiator. I've got three layers. Mm. I've got a gilet. I've got hats. I've got gloves. And I put myself in the best possible position to not have an excuse. And then it's working with that scale of don't overpressurize yourself. You know, two miles is better than no miles. Mm. And that's the way I approach it. And when I was in North Korea, doing my first ever marathon, I remember thinking at mile 17, wow, this is a different type of pain. This really hurts. Mm. I have not felt this feeling in my knees before. But that pain is not going to stop me from being able. Mm. And that was my motivation. Mm. Snowboarding is a sport where one one thing my dad said to me, and it really scared me, was Ames. I don't I don't want to see you crash like that again. Mm. I don't want to push you in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Running can't do that to you. Mm. It's all about a scale of fear.
2: Yeah,
3: running's your own scale. Set it for yourself and find enjoyment in it. Even in those moments of pain, the enjoyment is the triumph at the end of it.
2: Yeah, I think talking. We've talked a little bit about you running with your mom and the fact that she was. The, took you to that first ever race do you do all your mu- running with your mum It's like is she your main running partner
3: uh, so I went to school in Northern Ireland yeah. uh, and my family is still over there I'm here in London so I don't get to run with my mum as much as I would like but I ended up staying home for New Year's this year because I just my gut was telling me just chill
2: yeah.
3: have a night in I literally didn't get on the flight it was an hour before and I woke up the next day and had a run with my mom along the beach county down coast there's nothing better yeah. uh, for me to be able to share those moments with my mom is really special so we don't get to run together casually so often because i'm i'm not home yeah, very yeah. much with with the the nature of my job and my lifestyle however we put in little moments in the diary so for example in april we are without doubt going to be at the start line of the London Landmarks half because that's mm-hmm. one of our favourite ones. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look to do something later in the year, whether it's uh, the Royal Parks half, that's another favourite of mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I've never even done Hackney half. There's so many. Yeah, to there's a load of
1: good ones aren't there, yeah.
3: Unearth, yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe yeah. maybe it's a hot half somewhere. That would yeah, be really no, cool.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, so we use it as also an excuse for my mum to come over, stay with me for a few days, yeah, yeah. eat some good food. Yeah go and get in amongst it, explore a new running route and and do something awesome for our bodies. It's it's a great way of socialising.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like running, no, social. running, running in Northern Ireland must be pretty great.
3: Oh, it's, I think for me, when the weather's good, there's nowhere better. Like yeah. that county down coastal path. I've never
2: done that. It, it's yeah, like yeah.
3: tropical. It, it, in the summer, it's beautiful and you can stop off, yeah. jump in at Brompton Bay, have a little dip. Oh, it's a uh, it's a dream. I really recommend it to any avid runners. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah, there's a few there's a few big races up there actually. Oh, of, there you go. There's a kind of uh, Giants causeway marathons up there.
3: Oh yeah, I think I'll leave that to you. I reckon that'd be windy <laughs> up there.
2: <laughs> so apart from Northern Ireland and maybe a few London races, do you have a favourite place to run?
3: Okay, controversial. It's
2: North Korea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely not.
3: Uh, so there's two places. Yeah. So. The first without doubt has to be the county down coastal path Mm. it's literally just down the road from our house in northern ireland and for me it's just it looks tropical it's weird i feel Mm. like northern ireland is like the uk's best unknown holiday (laughs) destination bizarrely uh like the beaches are untouched there's never anyone on them and when it's sunny obviously that's problem it's just lush and then to be able to jump in at the end of your run it's uh yeah it's tops for me and the fact i can run with my mum there another (laughs) one i have to say so we used to snowboard in australia Mm. in the our summer so often we'd cruise down to Sydney. One of my best friends lived in Bondi. And because of the jet lag, I was fully on the Aussie vibes. I'd wake up at like 5am and it's the Bondi Bondi to Bronte Coogee run. And I'd always do that before I'd hop on the flight back to the UK and it's like a 10k. And it is just beautiful. It's Mm. breathtaking. Mm. And again, it's not too busy. It's really, really spectacular. And it's a privilege to run
2: there. Oh, that's, that's
1: nice. A good, that's a good choice, isn't it? Australia and Northern Ireland have covered a lot, of, a lot of distance.
3: Quite extreme. It could Opposites.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for your time for coming on the Runners World Podcast. Oh. Great to hear about your running. And best of yes. luck with all the races with your mum this year. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners Well Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. And we'll see you again next week.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row?